New Year's resolutions rarely carry any weight, but I've got a twofold one the Cubs must adhere to for success in 2022. First edition of Locked On Cubs this year coming at you. You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning to you and happy Tuesday. Happy 2022 to you. This is Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Andrew Bellison. Really great to be back with you. I missed you guys. Hope you had a wonderful New Year's Eve celebration. Hope you had a great long weekend. Hope everyone was safe, healthy, and behaved. And I want to thank you for taking the time here this morning on a great Tuesday morning, wherever you may be, for making Lockdown Cubs your first listen of the day. I have said it a thousand times. I'm not a broken record. Uh, this is no funny business. Spending the mornings with you has been awesome. December of 2021 was so much fun. Now we turn the page. First full year hosting Lockdown Cubs. I'm just so excited to be here with you. So thank you for making us your first listen each and every morning. We are free and available wherever you download, download your favorite podcast. So please check us out today. Check out our YouTube channel as well, Locked on Cubs. Socially at Chicago Cubs PA Twitter, at Locked on Cubs. Engage with us on Twitter. It makes things so much more fun for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me do this with you. Just real quick, I want to let you know. What you saw in 2021, you're going to get a lot more in 2022. We got some great interviews lined up with some special guests. We're going to be talking everything Cubs, Nuggets, Lockouts, Tidbits. We're going to get to a season. We're going to have games to dissect. We're going to do it together. So thank you for taking me along for the ride. This show isn't possible without you, and I mean that. Awesome show today, our first of 2022. We're continuing our 2021 countdown of the greatest Cubs players to wear each uniform number in the history of the organization. Like I said, as resolutions go, not really my thing. They typically don't last. Make a lifestyle commitment and change for good, not just because the calendar year changes. But with that said, I've got a twofold resolution for the Cubs that they must follow for success in 2022. And I want to get into that now. Here's twofold. Part A, develop and draft more homegrown pitching talent for the long haul. This is huge. Now, part two, keep those guys healthy because we know how ravaged this minor league pitching staff was in 2021 for the Cubs. Their top prospects didn't throw hardly any innings um, because of injury. So I want to dive into that right now. This was not done during the Theo Epstein regime, okay? Let's just be clear and honest. And he admitted it. His biggest fault in flaw, in my opinion, was the fact that he did not draft and or develop young arms like he could have during his time here. Now, I find it very hard to nitpick a president of a baseball organization that brought the first World Series title to the city in 108 years or to the, to the team in 108 years, um, who turned a organization around from perennial loser to 
everyday contender. This is not a knock on him. And again, this is something that he has mentioned himself. But I thought it would be fun to kind of look back at the Cubs' top draft draft picks pitching-wise to give you an idea how off they have been to show how important it is to making a resolution to making this better heading in to 2022 and beyond. Now, a lot of these top tier guys or higher, higher round guys that I'm going to hit on next were not part of the Theo Epstein regime. These were Jim Hendry and, and the like that, that group that was in the, in the front office before Theo and company. So this isn't a direct knock on jet. I just wanted to show you that for the last 20 years or so, this organization has done a very bad job of drafting and developing their own arms. And, you know, it's fair to say that this core group of Rizzo and Baez and KB and this was broken up sooner due to the lack of pitching success within the organization. There's no question had they had a better crutch to lean on in terms of pitching, especially with homegrown talent, that maybe this core would have still been together because the club w- would have been competitive still. Now, with all that said, you know, Mark Pryor came through. He was a Cubs guy. Kerry Wood, I get it. Some big names, some good, talented, long-standing major league pitchers. But you say it can't be that bad, right? Well, it was. Maybe it was the last 15, 20, 25 years. Here's a stroll down memory lane as I reassured myself that indeed at times it was that bad. Let's go back to 2005. This is Jim Hendry era. I said that already. 20th overall pick in 2005, Mark Pollack, okay? High A was the highest level he reached. Just the 20th pick overall. Lanky left-hander, came out of high school, never put things together at any level of minor league ball, seemed to be stuck in A ball, never really got out. Not exactly what you're looking for for a first-round pick, especially number 20. We've got to give him a grade of an F. Career numbers, 6-15, and 15, 433. Less strikeouts and innings pitched in the minor leagues. Out of baseball by 2010 completely. Ouch for a first-rounder. Another first-round arm from Jim Hendry and company, Andrew Kashner. Much better major league career. Uh, Cubs drafted Kashner 19th overall in 2008, mostly because he was a big-frame, flame-throwing type arm. Uh, that they thought would essentially project out to be a good number two starter. It turns out the assessment from Jim Hendry and crew was right on the money. Um, And that's just about what he was with the Padres after the Cubs dealt him. So it didn't really work out for him here. His career numbers, 10 years, 57 wins, 87 losses, 410 ERA, pitched in the bigs through 2019. Now, I mean, here's the big thing with him. This is why a first-round pick who maybe didn't have the career numbers-wise that you had hoped, why it worked out for the Cubs, is he came over from San Diego. Uh, I'm sorry, he went to San Diego in the deal that sent Anthony Rizzo here from the Padres after Theo and Jed took over uh, on the north side. So pretty good stuff there. Fast forward to 2010. So this is just pre-Theo Epstein, still under Jim Hendry's uh, reign here in terms of drafting 2010 16th pick overall pitcher Hayden Simpson got to grade him as an F2 reached the highest level in a ball only uh, was drafted in 2010 left baseball for good after 2013 this might have been the biggest question mark and listen I'm not knocking any of these guys nor the guys that drafted them or scouted them It is an inexact science in terms of sports drafting, whether you're talking about baseball, the NFL, or otherwise. It is not an easy thing. 
But just three years in the minor leagues after you draft a guy 16th overall, it's a sad reality is it, it just, it hurts five and 18 record in the minors, 683 ERA. You never put it together. Here's three examples from the last 15, 20 years. And I understand, I know what you're looking at the screen saying right now, Andrew, these were not Theo and Jed guys. I get that. I know. Plus they did an incredible job drafting offensive talent under their regime. Almora, KV, KB, Javi, Hap, Schwarber, et cetera, et cetera. What did they do pitching-wise? Let's take a look. This is strictly under Theo and Jed. Go back to 2017. Number seven, uh, number 27 pick overall. This is 2017 after the offense was essentially stocked, right? You've got a world championship. You've got a ring on your finger. They went after Brendan Little in the first round. Uh, the hitting side of things essentially taken care of. It was now time, hopefully not too late in their eyes, to stock the farm with talented arms to replace a, a staff that seemed to be ever aging. And that's just a continual problem in baseball, right? Lefty Brendan Little um, out, of, out of UNC nearly went pro after being drafted out of high school in 2005, but did chose to go to school and allowed the Cubs to nab him then a couple of years later. A uh, little less than overwhelming uh, as of the time of this little report written on him. Time for him was running out. He had gone 7-15 and 15 over his minor league career. ERA north of 5. Um, rebounded a little bit. Still in the Cubs organization, Brendan Little. Split time between Iowa and Tennessee last year. Look for him, the lefty, to make an impact with the Iowa Cubs hopefully this year as well. So Brendan Little, 2017 draft class of Theo and Jed, number 27 overall, still hanging in the Cubs organization. Um, let's not, you know, go poo-poo all over the party. The Cubs prospect list has a couple big arms from the Theo regime. So maybe it's more fair to say that he struggled with drafting, pitching early in his tenure with the Cubs and realized the need for it later and made the change. Uh, Braylon Marquez was signed as an international free agent in 2015. He uh, he's he's tops on the prospect list within the Cubs organization. Lefty Jordan Wicks, another left-hander, along with Marquez, drafted just last year by Jed Hoyer before Carter Hawkins was signed to be the team general manager um, in 2021. So there's a commitment that has been shown, in other words, and I get it. A lot of these arms, I'll say it again, were pre-Jed and Theo. But the knock on that group was that they were too offensive-minded in terms of drafting players, even though they drafted some big bopper bats, hell of good, hell of a good ball player in Schwarber and in Bryant, et cetera, et cetera. You, you get where I'm going with that. But the lack of ability to draft and develop on that end of the ball surely led to the dismantling of that core of offensive guys much quicker than any of us as Cubs fans had thought would happen or would have hoped uh, to have happened. And, and this was addressed by Carter Hawkins in his opening press conference when he was introduced as general manager back in October. So I'm excited to see how they handle it. They are going to make a commitment to drafting arms and developing them. Now, there's another part to this resolution that is just as or more important than finding the right arms to draft. And we want to touch on that. Uh, we want to touch on that shortly. Before we do, I want to let you know that it's the new year, so it means resolutions, right? Eh, 
take it or leave it with the resolutions. If yours is about getting fit and you want to make a lifestyle change, however, or maybe just eat healthier, work out a little more, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It might even be better than a candy bar. Pick one up today. Try it for yourself. I think you'll agree. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. It's not like a lot of those other protein bars that taste chalky or waxy or chemically in any way. It's a really tasty product. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. It's the same thing over and over and over again. By like week three, you're thinking to yourself, this isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, guess what? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most bars have only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Try them today. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Get 15% off your order at Built.com. You will like them. I promise you. Lockdown Cubs rolls on after this. Cubs fans, welcome back in to the Locked On Cubs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy New Year to you, 2022. As Ernie Banks would say, the Cubs will surprise you in 2022 in a good way. That is Locked On Cubs at Chicago Cubs PA on Twitter, at Locked On Cubs on Twitter. Check us out on YouTube as well. We've got a YouTube page, Locked On Cubs. All these episodes are up on YouTube as well, in case you'd like to see them. In, uh, instead of just hearing them. Thank you for downloading us and subscribing and making us your first listen each and every morning on your way to work, in the car. Maybe you've been on vacation. You're turning us on at home, making breakfast for the kids, making breakfast for yourself, for the puppies. Thank you. I mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So awesome to spend the morning with you guys talking baseball. I know we're locked out. Don't have as much to chat about as normal, but we're getting there. We got some good stuff coming up uh, right now as well. This is part two, I guess, of my New Year's resolution for the Cubs, my first New Year's resolution for the Cubs for success in 2022. Part one, make a commitment, as Carter Hawkins mentioned, to ensure you draft more talent on the pitching side of the baseball, more arms developed and drafted in-house to complement your core and hopefully keep your window open, your competitive window open, uh, a little bit longer. Now, drafting them is just one piece of the puzzle. Maintaining and developing is a whole nother thing. What did Frank Sinatra say? Love and marriage, you can't have one without the other, right? You can draft these big-name players and, and, and pitchers, but if you can't keep them healthy and develop them, putting them on the right track to success, then you're doing yourself no good. Uh, really awesome little briefing and article in The Athletic. If you don't subscribe, I highly suggest you do. Uh, Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney collaborated on this. They cover the Cubs together. This is uh, something that they looked at, um, and it outlines basically keeping pitchers healthy because the Cubs were ravaged by injuries last year in the minor leagues. And this is a league-wide problem. It wasn't just the Cubs having this issue. So don't, don't be, uh, don't think it's just specific to this organization. Top arms essentially didn't throw in 2021. Um, and again, this is something that we see in baseball across the board. We're seeing younger pitchers in high school and college having more and more arm injuries. It's just a, a, a really, really, um, scary 
thing that's going on in terms of keeping arms healthy, younger Tommy John surgeries, et cetera, et cetera. Both Epstein and Hoyer had put into place things to hopefully combat this. And Carter Hawkins, again, now with Jed Hoyer, have made a commitment to also doing this. So part of their resolution for my resolution for 2022, they had already addressed in 2021. Craig Breslow is part of this Cubs staff. Uh, He's essentially the vice president of pitching and assistant general manager in a restructured front office now with Carter Hawkins as general manager and Jed Hoyer as president. He's a Yale graduate, 12-year career as a lefty, won a ring with the Red Sox in 2013. His job is essentially to spearhead the initiatives designed to fix the major flaw or flaws in what was supposed to be a scouting and player development machine. Okay. So they've realized that they do need a resolution. We need to draft more pitchers and help them progress within the organization and stay healthy better. Uh, So for all of the success in recent years, you know, three trips in a row to the NL championship series, the world series winner, et cetera, et cetera. The lack of homegrown pitching sticks out as a giant, giant sore thumb. Uh, Jeff Samarja, as a matter of fact, the Notre Dame football player, yes, drafted by Jim Hendry in 2006, essentially is the last pitcher drafted and developed by the Cubs who became a stalwart in the Wrigley Field rotation. And that speaks volumes to my point earlier. Uh, Sahadev and Patrick go on to kind of talk about where does this start now with this kind of retooled Cubs baseball side of the front office to ensure that these pitchers that they have brought in or are going to bring in stay healthy and stay on the course they need them to stay on. Um, The player development staff works closely with the high-performance team over the last few months, and they've conducted end-of-season surveys coming out of 2021 of all the pitchers and coaches to get feedback to see if there are any trends that they can identify that might throw up a red flag. The end result suggests that there isn't essentially any one perfect answer, but An increased diligence in monitoring workload and recovery fatigue are a start. So ultimately, the Cubs want to create even more collaboration and continuity across departments from top to bottom. That means from rookie ball all the way on up, on the field and off, being on the same page and letting that be transparent across the organization is huge. I think it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all type of thing for each player or each pitcher. And this organizational philosophy that each player now might have a slightly different approach. So that's been recognized. Through what the Cubs call a DNA test, which is a developmental needs analysis test, the team can determine high-performance goals and outline a specific plan for each player then, not a one-size-fits-all across the board. For pitchers, they divide into three separate pillars, velocity, shape and movement, and command. So the staff's going to look then at how many standard deviations off of the major league average a pitcher is in each category, independent of the other two. Instructors see which one's the furthest off course, and usually that's the focus then until the issue's rectified, or it's determined no more can be done and it's time to move on to the next task. So it's kind of like a three-step program there in terms of the DNA, the developmental needs analysis test for each pitcher. The process is a little more detailed than that. If I had to explain it any different, I barely understand the way I did now. So don't ask me to go into any further detail, but that just gives you an idea of the surface level. What does this mean? Well, with change comes the need for communication from top to bottom, right? 
Communication is key in families, in marriage, in work, in baseball clubs, from rookie ball to Wrigley, and every coach and instructor in between. Preach the same message. Be on the same page, level playing field in terms of approach, handling the approach the same way so there's a continuity for players that come in drafted by this team and work their way from the bottom up. I've been told that communication within the Cubs front office has dramatically improved post-Theo. Again, no knock on Theo Epstein. You can't knock the guy who brought the first World Series to the Cubs in 108 years. But these are just the facts. And I've told the players, obviously, like this. Open communication and being in the know from top to bottom organizationally just makes for a better workplace, does it not? We've all been there. You can relate. They've also adjusted their off-season program, uh, the ramp-up program, say, lengthening the duration in order to introduce stress over a broader period of time. So less impact at the start to kind of build up slower. Listen, this is stuff that is trial and error. This may sound like common sense stuff, but what you had in place before you thought was going to work, and then you had this plethora of injuries. So you had to go to plan B. And I love that they're willing and open to go to plan B. And I love that Carter Hawkins addressed these issues of the previous regime in his opening presser and said, we are going to make a change and ensure that those don't happen again. You can't succeed unless you learn from your mistakes and the mistakes of others in your position before you. And I love that that was acknowledged. The Cubs also in this program shift kind of analyzed alternatives to stopping a throwing routine once the season ends. So just different options at different points of the calendar year. The high-performance team helped identify pitchers who had gained or lost the most range of shoulder motion and or strength um, throughout the year. And that information then helped determine where the pitcher should stop throwing or when to taper down. So rather than a traditional, say, six-week moratorium on throwing, some pitchers might never put the ball down over the offseason where some guys are going to scale back right away for a little rest and recovery, et cetera, et cetera. Again, avoiding the one-size-fits-all approach. Here's the point. Changes are being made for the better, and you have to be supremely encouraged by this. So my second resolution for 2022 already started within the organization in 2021, which is awesome. The greatest Cubs to where each number in the history of the organization, our list continues right after this. You're listening to Locked on Cubs. <clears throat> Hi, forgot. Hi again, everybody. Andrew Bellison, Locked on Cubs podcast at Chicago Cubs PA. At Chicago. Locked on Cubs on Twitter as well for the show. Join us socially, won't you? Uh, we love to interact with you guys socially. Thank you for making us your first listen today and every day. Great to be with you here. Our first show of 2022. And I'm excited to turn the calendar year with you and start this off fresh. So many good things coming this year with Locked on Cubs. I'm so happy to be along for the ride with you guys. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. We have started this countdown last year. We're going to keep it going. It's the greatest 
player to wear each uniform number in the history of the Cubs. We've made it from zero, Marcus Stroman, who hasn't played yet, but we gave it to him anyways, all the way up to number 25 right now. Larry Cashin, remember him? Lefty reliever, 190 ERA in 77 games for the Cubs back in 95 and 96. Pretty good, probably forgotten year in the mid-90s for the Chicago Cubs. Who's the greatest number 56 in the history of the Chicago Cubs? Hector Rondon. This guy was a Rule 5 draft pick, spent five years in the Cubs pen, saved 77 games, including 30 in 2015. And my favorite by far of that whole bunch was when he saved that game in the National League Division Series against the Cardinals, knocking St. Louis out of the playoffs and sending the Cubs to the National League Championship Series for the first time in many, many years. My favorite game at Wrigley. The best number 57 in Cubs history. We keep it in the bullpen. How about Fernando Rodney? Had a brief stint with the Cubs in 2015. One of his 11 teams during his 17-year, really good major league career, had an 0.75 ERA in 14 games with the Cubs. Number 58, the best number 58 in Cubs history. Rookie of the year, all-star, and got some NL MVP votes, Giovanni Soto. Eight years with the Cubs, great guy, great hair, great catcher. The best number 59, it's back to the bullpen. 108 appearances out of the pen for the Cubs across the 96, 97, 98, and 99 seasons. You remember this guy? Rodney Myers, you are correct. And number 60, this is an oddball. Very few have worn number 60 for the Cubs. In 2020, Jason Adam joined the Cubs and struck out 21 batters in just 13 and two-thirds innings. Our list will continue to roll on tomorrow as we also delve into resolution number two for the Cubs in 2022. This has been Tuesday's edition of Locked on Cubs. Thank you again for being with us. I ask that you make your second listen, Locked on Bets, which is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, just like Locked on Cubs. Until manana, have a great Tuesday. This has been Locked On Cubs. I'm Andrew Bellison. See you tomorrow.